On this episode, we discuss the hurricane heist. Buckle your seatbelts and seat your buckle belts. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, wow. Right out of the gate. Big energy from Dan McCoy. I'm your other announcer, Stuart Wellington. And I'm your third <laughs> announcer, Elliot Kalen, coming at you live from my in-law's house in Northern California. Cool, cool, oh, cool. yeah. Rap, rap, rap. Yeah, this is going to be a weird episode. I'm, Why is it weird? Well, Why uh, is this night weirder than Why you got to make it weird, Dan? <laughs> Stuart is uh, tired from a two-day bachelor party he went to. I am tired because I had my birthday party the night before, and I'm a little hungover. And Elliot is in a new place. He's at his in-law's house trying to broadcast from there. Uh-huh. And the Popeye's I mean, chicken delivery guy was 20 minutes late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Indeed. So I'm still chowing down on it. It's accurate. It's an accurate crunch, depiction. Crunch, crunch, crunch. That's all the bones. Crunch, uh-huh. crunch, crunch. <laughs> he ate the bones. Now follow me into the bathroom for the next stage of this period. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the human, <laughs> The human digestive system is a wondrous place. Mm. <laughs> Um, take a trip with us, shall you? Guys, so the thing about the thing about the day after a two day bachelor party uh-huh. is that much like Alec Holland, I don't know if I'm actually Stuart Wellington or if I'm just tequila that believes it's Stuart Wellington. Mm. Mm. So yeah. we'll have to test my blood later and find out. I believe this is what the mo- what the movie The Day After was about, right? Uh is that the one with the giant waves and the geostorms? No, no, the, it's the one where it's a nuclear war. Yeah, oh, okay. I think you're thinking of the day or after at, tomorrow. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's Monday. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You're thinking of the movie Monday. <laughs> actually, it's, actually, it's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what day <laughs> is it today? <laughs> right, Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, no, Wait, I lost a day. <laughs> there was supposed to be time now. <laughs> Um, Stewart has become unstuck in time, whereas it's also known hungover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so what do we do on this podcast, dudes? We uh, watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. Uh-huh. And this time around, we watched a little movie called The Hurricane Heist. Oh, yeah, we now, did. Now, wait, guys. This, this is the, the story of the, of the hurricane heist. <laughs> All right, go on. Oh, keep going. Uh, step on his bit. He was waiting the whole fucking episode. <laughs> all however many minutes we've been recording. Yep. That, that's all I have. <laughs> all you have written down on your hand. It just says Dylan parody. Hurricane heist. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like, Dan, usually like Weird Al will write a whole song that's a parody of the original yeah. song. No. All I need is the title. I mean, I'm I mean, it's like he did the right Dylan and not like Kevin Dylan. <laughs> You know, song parodies are like Onion articles. Once you read the headline, you get the idea. I mean, that is that is true. Yeah, fair point. That's as as true as it is not funny to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> they say comedy That's is hot. truth, but no, no, they're wrong. Yeah. So, Dan, uh, here's my question. Uh huh. This this movie it promises a heist. During a hurricane. Yes. So that's the bar it's got to clear. Or was this a, some sort of a metaphorical hurricane? Like, 
Uh, like, uh, yeah, like I'm, the movie Rat I'm, Race. You're like, those are people. <laughs> those are not rats. Yeah. In the movie Ocean's Eleven, you're like, there's not 11 oceans in the world. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just bad geography. Yeah. So are you trying to argue that there wasn't a hurricane during a heist in this movie? I'm asking you. I'm saying, Dan, oh. let's... Was there a wow. heist during a hurricane? Dan, high yeah. energy, very defensive already. <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe that it had the USDA recommended <laughs> daily allowance of both hurricane and heist. Okay, that's great. I mean, I assume the recommended allowance of hurricane is zero. <laughs> that's true. Maybe the recommended had, allowance of heist probably depends on what end of the heist you're on. It probably had more of both than, than is recommended by the government. That's, Should we do a disclaimer okay, or something we, saying yeah. that hurricanes are terrible and we're not making fun of anybody who has suffered from actual hurricanes because it's a – Yeah, it's I did feel like oh, – fucked over a lot and, of people. After there have been and, such big, horrible hurricanes recently, it did take away some of the joy I had in watching the To, the to watch movie. a town being destroyed by a hurricane and yes. be like, oh, this happened – recently yeah. many times and thousands of people died this is i don't know if this is a source of amusement for me anymore <coughs> yeah. yeah yeah but you gotta you know you gotta leave your your ethics at the door i guess <laughs> sure yeah it's a real check your ethics the at the door <laughs> hey look have fun check your ethics at the door who cares <laughs> yeah although i feel like that's that's the what you have to do for pretty much any action movie because you're getting enjoyment from watching people be killed or hurt so uh-huh. it's like there's a certain amount of having to check your ethics. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess I guess if we're if we were reviewing a movie about I don't know Jason Voorhees chopping people in half, <laughs> would we have to have a disclaimer about how we know that people actually get chopped in half and it's not funny? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Look, we all know that xenomorphs are a real problem. I shouldn't get enjoyment from watching John Hurt getting his his chest bursted open, which was a real problem. But, <laughs> I mean, it happened no, twice, that's, right? No, yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah, once. I mean, that's uh, twice who canonically. Who once said that? Uh, who once who said it once that uh, history happens once as tragedy and second as as farce? That's what happened with John Hurt getting a chest <laughs> burster. This yep. first as a tragic death and then as a spaceballs bit. I mean, <laughs> if you count in the order that I watched it, it would be the opposite. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I think that's a good point. We should say that uh, hurricanes are a real a real issue that hurts a lot of people. So nice work, Hollywood. Yeah. And using Smooth one for move. entertainment. That having been said, let's jump into the heist. Yeah. The hurricane heist, that is. So the movie begins uh, in a hurricane. Well, what I like the movie the first thing we see is the title card for Entertainment Studios Motion Pictures, which was like, <laughs> it's, I don't know whose company that is, but it's the most fly-by-night sounding production company. Next, next to working title, it's the most working yeah. title. Yeah, that someone called them up and was like, "Hey, uh, so we you you just rented a lot of material and the check bounced. Uh, are you good for the money for that for all these cameras and equipment?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the name of your company again?" Uh. Entertainment Studios Motion Pictures. <laughs> okay, that's the name of your company? Yeah, sure. Does it need more words in it? Uh, no, I, I don't think it needs more words. Okay, great. Then that's what it's called. Thank you for telling me the name of your company. Do you want to write it down so you can remember it for future situations? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the first thing we see, it's 1992. That's right. It's it's oh, year man. one BJP or before Jurassic Park, 1992. Yeah. Yeah. Clinton's about to be elected to president. George H.W. Bush is leaving office after one term. 
and America is about to learn a new dance called the Macarena. Dan, take it away. Uh, uh, slap bracelets are all the rage as a hypercolor sweeps the nation, mm-hmm. and a little scamp called Bart Simpson is probably around at that point. <laughs> yep. Yes, he was, technically. <laughs> okay, wow, uh, Stu, cool. 1992. <laughs> Um, now, now, Stuart, you, you're often known as 1990 Stu. Uh, why is that? It's because if you were to be a fly on the wall in a little house in Fort Wayne, Indiana, you would see a young Stuart Wellington discovering what it's like to be 12 years old. Okay. <laughs> so, masturbating. Yeah, I guess that's what you'd call it technically. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I don't want to dig any deeper into this hole. Yeah, and a lot of rad skateboard tricks, I assume. All of them. See, being an overweight child, I had a really uh, complicated center of balance. So throw me on a skateboard (laughs) on wheels, and you never know what's going to happen. A complicated center of balance. Okay, guys. Well, we've, we, I think we've adequately set the scene for the movie. Yep. 1992, and Hurricane Andrew is hitting the Gulf mm-hmm. uh, or the South or wherever. I don't know where Hurricane Andrew hit. I apologize. That's on me. I should be more aware of those. I'm things. assuming it's the same place that the rest of the movie takes place in. Yes, which is Gulfport, what, Alabama, Mississippi? Uh, yes, Alabama. Alabama. And uh, so there's a man and his two boys are trying to outrun a hurricane. They're caught in it. And the younger boy keeps telling the older boy, this is all your fault. This is your fault. They hide in this a house. Is the, but they- This is the moment that if you were seeing this movie on a date, you would lean over to your date and say, that's the hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is also they, at- sorry. This is also just like Twister. Like you can't make a movie like this, apparently, without showing that the people involved with the movie have a personal stake in hurricanes in and tornadoes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it can't just be that they're like terrible disasters. Mm-hmm. And the kids, the kids are all, yeah, the dads like the dads like just practice your football plays. So they're just naming football plays and I uh-huh. guess talking about them. Uh, the boys hide in the house and the dad is running to catch up to them when oh a water tower rolls over him and kills him. Uh-huh. Uh, this death has not really given the weight it deserves, considering that the roof of the house is blown off and a human skull appears in the cloud above the boys. That's yeah. right. This hurricane is not just any hurricane. It's the angel of death. And that's when Dan goes, radical. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, if the movie lived up to that moment, I would have thought a little differently about it. But anyway, I was, I was two, chomping down on a big bowl of cereal in bed while watching this movie, and I spit that cereal all over my wife's side of the bed. <laughs> then I covered it with a blanket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cleaning the, the whole mess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, honey, you always wanted a water bed. And she's like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, Cut to present day, and Tropical Storm Tammy is about to hit the Gulf, to hit the town of Gulfport. So Sheriff Dixon, he's making everybody evacuate. He's saying, I don't want any fatalities. I don't want any looters. Mandatory evacuation. But meanwhile, driving right into town. At this point, we're being introduced to a lot of characters. And I spent, I don't know if it's because this is one of those action movies that's mixed where all the dialogue is super low and all the everything else is super loud. But... I had a lot of trouble figuring out which people were the kids from the beginning. Yes. For a while, well, I'm like, well, is that Sheriff the dad from the beginning? <laughs> he doesn't have a big mark on his face from when a water tower hit him. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Uh, so 
we're gonna we're we're gonna meet those kids from the beginning in a moment. But let's I'll go through some of these characters. So we see there's Officer Corbin, who's an officer of the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Department, and she's a real bad girl. And she is escorting a convoy of money trucks. Played by played by the- Maggie Grace. And usually when you see Maggie Grace in an action movie, you're like, where's Nicolas Cage? Is he hiding around here somewhere? I thought you were going to so say... When the you money see- trucks are being played by Maggie Grace? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. All three of them. That's the kind of range she can show. Uh-huh. Three characters Dan, in what were you going to say? Oh, no. I thought you just meant that when you usually when you see an action movie starring Maggie Grace, you're watching Lockout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, actually, uh, wait. What is Lockout? I've never seen that movie. Oh, I think you. Uh, Space Jail. Yeah. Space Jail. Oh, Space Jail. Thank you. You may know it as Space under its official title of Space Jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how I know it. Yeah. Uh, so she she shows she's she doesn't play by the rules. She and her co-driver, whose name is what Connor, I think. Yeah, played they just, by, they played drive- by Ralph Ennison from the. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name from The Witch, and he's also Ricky Gervais's friend on The British Office. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot that is, about that. I mean, those are the bona fides of an action hero. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, they show their real action heroes by. There's a whole line of cars that are trying that are being forced to evacuate from the town. They just drive their trucks straight through that traffic jam. Oh yeah, because they're in a hurry. They've got to get a load of old money to the tr- to the shredder at the treasury department. Mm-hmm. That old money needs to be shredded before now, the hurricane now hits. Now, when you say they have to get it to a shredder, you're not talking about the villain from the Ninja Turtles franchise. <laughs> uh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Rokusaki is going <laughs> to be there, and he's going to use that money to put as a down payment on a new Technodrome because <laughs> oh, they're very expensive. Oh, wow, and they just let you pay for those in cash? I feel like I feel like they'd require some kind of credit check or something. I mean, if you have the cash, then you don't need credit. That's, oh, wow, that's, okay. If you've got like $7 billion in cash, but... uh. So the shredder is broken at the treasury building, so it goes into a fancy vault. Meanwhile, who are, who's our other hero? Well, get ready to meet Will, a climate scientist who's in Gulfport sending up drones. He thinks the storm's going to be worse than the bureaucrats in Washington say. He can smell it's going to be bad. And this down-home good old boy meteorologist, he knows what's up. This storm yeah. is going to be a real stew breaker. He's got like a more southern accent than I think I've heard in like as a hero in a major movie, I mean, not, this is not a major movie, but they put a lot of money into it. And uh, what about Forrest Gump, Dan? I guess I guess you got me there. Good point. I guess Good you point. got me there, Stu. What about uh, Con Air, yeah. Dan? I'm not complaining about it. I, I thought it was kind of in- <laughs> I thought it was kind of interesting that like. What about a face in the crowd, Dan? Because you don't normally like hear a bunch of different types of voices in 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 movies. Like everyone has to sort of talk very like clearly. So it was kind of an interesting choice. I thought. Yeah. I mean, I'm so happy that the hero in the movie was not a guy from the tri-state area or Boston. With a heavy like <coughs> like neighborhood accent, yeah. But also, I don't know. There's there's a certain amount of. I feel like there's a there's a certain genre of actors pretending to be southern in movies. You have like your Hell or High Waters and things mm. like that. Mm-hmm. Where although maybe that's more the West than the South. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but this guy he does like he does not strike me as either a movie star or an action star. It does feel like they just got some guy. Yeah. To to play the part, and I don't know who the actor is. Dan Stewart, you guys are good at this. Who is it? Um. Yeah, Dan. It's uh, Yahoo. Yep. <laughs> Serious. Well, I mean, that sounds like a real name. <laughs> Impossible uh, so to check you, that one out. <laughs> and so this character, Will, he's the he's one of the brothers from earlier in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and he's ever since his dad was killed by a hurricane, he's had one goal: 
to save people from hurricanes. That's right. He's the Batman of hurricanes. Yeah. Because when he was he was a rich guy and he was like, hmm, hurricanes are a superstitious and cowardly lot. What shall I dress as to scare them? And a weatherman flew through his window and he said, that's it. I shall be a meteorologist. And instead of a Batmobile, I'll get an armored dune buggy. <laughs> mm-hmm, which he calls the Dominator. And it's mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, they throughout the movie, people are like, this thing's built like a tank. Which uh-huh. makes sense. It's, it's built to withstand a hurricane. It's built like a tank, but I, um, I hate to jump forward. It's it's built like a tank. However, the first time somebody shoots at it, it knocks out its satellite array. <laughs> yes, although it does come with what appear to be, as we find out later on, razor sharp hubcaps that be, can can be thrown like batarangs to uh, yeah, lodge but, in, in bad guys' chests. Don't, don't don't skip to the best part of the movie. <laughs> okay. Well, so anyway. Uh, two technicians come in, some some computer guys, to fix the shredding software at the Treasury Department. I mean, you know they're like, evil. It kind of looks like the uh, the the one technician is wearing an evening dress. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she is. And it, you know they're evil because they're way overdressed and one of them is English. Yeah. And they are way <laughs> yeah. – they're like way more attractive than they should be for those parts. Uh-huh. And these are – we will find out later they are the uh, computer hackers in love who commit computer crimes while wearing evening wear, and they're always turning each other on with their hacker talk. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, I mean, it's been a while since I've worked in an office, guys. Uh, when you call uh, for tech support, is that usually who shows up? Yeah, yeah. There's usually a young woman in an off-the-shoulder cocktail dress and a British man in a three-piece suit, and they talk to each other in super hacker code. I mean, there's the, there's the part... Like, they, this is one of those movies that actually has a scene where a character explains something about a computer program and the other bad guy goes English and they have to say like, well, it's going to take three more hours or something like that. Like the old say it in English, please. We get that old chestnut later on. Uh, so yes, very accurate tr- uh, rendition of tech support. Okay. So we get a little bit of a personal moment with, with uh, agent Corbin. Uh, she's reminded that she screwed up a mission in the past and someone got hurt. She, she le- is reminded about this on a FaceTime call in a vault in a hurricane. She's yeah. getting perfect FaceTime reception. I live in AT&T, a regular you know? <laughs> Can you hear me now? You bet I can. Underground in a vault during a hur- during a storm. Uh, and she's suspicious. She something seems not right about her. So about what's going on. So she resets the lock for the vault. Mm-hmm. It has like a 36 number combination. She resets it. But then uh-oh, the phones get cut at the treasury and their backup generator won't start up. She's got to go out and get the, tri- the the backup generator repairman, and who could that be? But weather scientist Will's brother Breeze. Oh boy, mm-hmm. it's his older brother Breeze. Took me and- took me a minute to go over to IMDb and double check that his name is Breeze. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which seems a little on the nose, but it's also like. I wonder if Will was mad that he's the meteorologist and his name's not Breeze, uh, well, which is really going to hurt his TV career. They're both named after their their character-defining traits. Will has a very powerful will, and Breeze can He's But he's a real he's, – he's a bad boy. He's a slob. And mm-hmm. Will cannot get him to evacuate because he's, he's too busy drinking his whiskey breakfast. for breakfast, um, yeah. I, mm-hmm. It took me a little while to remember where I saw this actor in, um, and it's because uh, he didn't take his shirt off. Because this is the <laughs> guy who was—he was the brother on—he uh, was the brother on True Blood, who mm. was just so shredded. Like that guy. Oh man, it was crazy. Well, I was going to say this guy. This seems like an like an off-brand Southern low-rent Hemsworth. Kind I of mean, that. he's Australian, yeah, yeah. so that's probably why. Oh, okay. 
He's got that magical that. Australian all... torso. Huh, yeah. <laughs> they all look like that. You know how they get they, that. What are they feeding him down there? Kangaroo yeah. blood? Um, well, every every Australian man who wants to become an actor, he has to spend his time in the bush with the kangaroo. And mm-hmm. all that hopping really works on your core and on your abs, and you just get shredded. Yeah, I mean, it's just like how Paul Hogan was just so perfectly defined. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Like every oh, yeah, muscle. Yeah. <laughs> and Yahoo Serious mentioned earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every time that young Einstein took his shirt off, it was like, whoa, equals MC abs. <laughs> what if what if Albert Einstein had been really built? Like he was a he was a famous scientist and he was like a world class bodybuilder. Do you think that would have I feel made like the Nazis if, think twice? I feel like that's going to be the next time somebody makes a an Albert Einstein movie is he'll like be getting in bare knuckle fistfights like the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movie. He's like calculating calculating trajectory of punches. (laughs) He's like, but his his calculations are so complicated. He's like, okay, so if I bring in the speed of light, pow, he gets punched in the face. Okay, okay, shake it off, Einstein. All right, okay, so let's, so if I was riding a beam of light, bam, oh, okay, wow, okay, I'm seeing stars now. Anyway, so... Like he's just too he gets too into the okay. math. Okay. Guys, we're just about to get to the crux of the movie, the titular heist, because crooks shoot their way into the facility. Ah and it turns out Connor, Corbin's co driver, was actually the leader of the crooks. He was their inside, inside job, man. Yeah. Now, the crooks only shoot tranquilizer darts because they want to rob this with zero casualties, but they start killing people pretty quickly when things start going south. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, it, it is like enough to be like. You you kind of are on the crook side a little bit at this point. You're just like, you know, they're not killing anybody, and that money's going to get shredded anyway. So uh, what's the? That's harm? true. They're about their big plan is they're gonna they're gonna steal six hundred million dollars of money that's being taken out of circulation. Yeah, and so it's gonna hey that money's just gonna be destroyed anyway, right? So that's not gonna hurt anybody. Wrong, Dan. Hmm. Six hundred million extra dollars in the economy that's gonna lead to a certain amount of inflation. What does inflation lead to? Unemployment. What does unemployment lead to? Trump being elected president. So you see, Dan, how maybe these heisters aren't so good after all. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that that was the problem with not I mean, uh, Wisconsin. It's a straight line, Dan. You just got to follow and, the clues. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? The thing is, you know what caused that hurricane? A butterfly flapped its wings in Asia. So it's like, thanks a lot, butterfly. Now Trump's president because of your stupid fucking wings. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> damn it. Ashton Kutcher, go back in time and fix that butterfly you fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody step on that butterfly so that dinosaurs evolve into super people or something. I don't remember the story too well. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I was re- I was referring to a sound lo- sound of thunder. The sound of thunder, yeah, right? sure. I know yeah. we watched that movie for the podcast. <laughs> I wasn't there for that episode though. Uh, okay, guys, we should go back in time and fix that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we should. Somebody get a butterfly in here. Does that mean I'd have to watch it again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Uh, agent Corbin, who I'm just going to say, is it weird that an alcohol, tobacco, and firearms agent was escorting money? Shouldn't that be a Secret Service agent job? Because the Secret Service is part of the Treasury Department. Dan? Um, so the Secret Service are busy in getting prostitutes in South America right now. Okay. Topical. <laughs> so. <laughs> you, Dan, with all think, the hits of 2010. <laughs> you think they stopped doing that? Come on. Once they got a taste Good of those point. South American prostitutes. <laughs> oh, gross. Um, so 
Yeah, where are we at? So they so uh, Corbin so so Agent Corbin meets Will and Breeze. Mm-hmm. He takes Breeze back to the Treasury facility, and we learn on the drive over that Breeze is a former high school football star and an Iraq War veteran. Of course, he is. Mm-hmm. He's going to need that later when he when he's part of the team that takes over takes on these heisters. And uh, the hackers find out that the vault code's been changed. This is going to add some time to their heist. They weren't planning for that. Uh oh. Uh, the crooks capture Breeze, mm-hmm. and uh, Will helps Corbin escape a shootout in his weather tank in the town plaza. This is one of several shootouts where the bad guys, despite there being more of them and them having bigger guns, seemingly they're so outclassed, they always seem to fail and lose one or two of their guys during these fights. So in this in this initial shootout, when Maggie Grace is running from, uh, Agent Corbin is running from the villains, the, the villains need to capture her, right? Do they know they need to capture her at this point because she's the one who has the code? I think so. They know. Actually, I don't know if they know yet that she's yeah because the they're but. firing live ammunition or and that seems insane. But there's <laughs> this is the moment when you know it's going to be kind of a bad action movie because she jumps over like the lip of a like a I don't know like some kind of a fence and the you see the bullets erupt in the, against the wall like the squibs that were buried in the wall explode. And it's basically where she was at. Like, there is no way those th- those bullets would not have shot her. They just—it was just a very lazy, mm-hmm. uh, like a lazy stunt. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, there's a lot of what I would call like direct to DVD level gunfighting, except that direct to DVD action movies have been in a renaissance lately. So maybe that's yeah, yeah. not fair to them. Yeah, if Scott Adkins showed up and just started like kicking everybody, that would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah, that would have been. They could have called this Hurricane Kick. Yeah, I mean that's a thing, right? Isn't that what uh, isn't that what Ken does in the Street Fighter series, Dan? That sounds familiar to me. I no, no, that's what that's what Ken from the Barbie doll series. Does. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the hurricane kick. Yeah, that's where he kicks a glass featuring the alcoholic hurricane beverage into somebody's hand, <laughs> well, and then they drink it. The thing is, <laughs> the thing is, when you don't have any ge- genitals, like there's like the range of motion for your kicking is vastly improved. Dan knows this from oh, experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I went there. You just hear a gunshot from me. <laughs> Stuart lies dead. <laughs> Dan says, I told you not to tell anyone about my genitalist genitals. <laughs> Who done it? <laughs> Hollywood so, game night, right? <laughs> <laughs> Elliot doesn't we don't have the video chat on, so there's no witnesses. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, that's not really how witnesses work. <laughs> Archie looks over and starts trying to make himself look small. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we solved that mystery, the mystery of the missing Stuart. He was killed by Dan. Okay, guys, it looks like uh, they're get- – so Breeze gets captured. They're going to ask him to fix the generator, and the Corbin and Will are together now. What? This is another – like there's multiple characters who uh, who are the only person who can complete a job. Like I yes. feel like this is why you diversify your training to kind of spread out your skill set amongst multiple people. But that's just me, you know. That's just me thinking like a boss. <laughs> that's just a management technique from Stuart. Hurricane Heist, maybe you should take Stuart's management training seminar. Diversify and diversity. How different types of people who can do different types of things can make your business do one thing great, and that is make money. Hi, I'm Stuart Wellington. This is my seminar. That's the full title. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Can we you know, do it as like an acronym or something? Or 
uh, yeah, it would be, uh, I don't remember what the words were. So <laughs> okay. I mm-hmm. guess, uh, Flophouse listeners write into Stewart's Business Seminar Acronym, Care of Dan McCoy, Brooklyn, New York, USA, Earth, Milky Way Galaxy, Earth 616. And, uh, and tell us what that acronym would be, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what do the winners of that contest get, Dan? Yeah, Dan. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while since we've done a contest. <laughs> I'll send them a nice uh, personalized postcard. Mm, that seems like actually more work than you usually put into things. Like yeah. This. <laughs> <laughs> so this is guys, good for one one listener only. <laughs> uh, guys, well, that's usually how contests work. Yeah. Usually, there's a, one winner for a contest. I mean, the lottery will have multiple winners if they pick the same numbers, but usually in a contest, there's something called a grand prize that a winner gets. I'm trying so. to cut down to the number of people who actually were going to try and demand this bullshit that uh, Stuart pulled out of me. So, yeah, I mean, you could have just said no. <laughs> yeah, and got and Dan, I'm gonna I'm gonna deliberately avoid making a joke on the phrasing of Stuart pulling bullshit out of you, yeah. because who knows what scenario that would lead us to, and we don't need that right now. We've got a hurricane to heist. Okay, so Corbin and Will they go to the sheriff to get him to help them, but uh oh, he's in on the heist too, and he's firing a shotgun at them. They escape. There's a car chase in a rainstorm. And I'll just say this: When Will's driving that weather tank, his fake driving is super fake. It's I wish I, I wish there was a little bit of video chat, but it's the thing people do where they're constantly moving the wheel even when the car is driving <laughs> yep. straight. My 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 favorite one is when people are just very obviously never paying attention to the road. It just stresses <laughs> yeah. me out so much. I'm all, I always I think, at that point I'm always like, wait a minute, did I accidentally put? final destination into the dvd player <laughs> am i gonna get a final destination scenario you're like no okay it's still modern family that's what i thought all right uh so there's a car chase in the rainstorm uh and corvin runs out of bullets so there's only one thing they can do she runs Will's- out of bullets because she is like they're driving around in a rainstorm and she's just hanging out the window firing indiscriminately <laughs> she's like i only uh, had six bullets and i fired them all real quick I wanted to throw him away. So he stops the tank that he's in, and he he has these, like, spikes that go down to the ground to protect it from hurricane winds, and he just lets the bad guy's car slam into them. Uh Uh, The bad guys, and the tank takes a little bit of damage, but the bad guys take even more. And Corbin runs over to the bad guy's car and goes, hey, are you got, what's up with you guys? And then steals their guns and runs away. <laughs> I, and, I like the, I mean, like the way you make it sound like she's like skirting like a mouse. I, I really like the vision. Of I it. mean, she kind of is. Yeah. I don't, uh, so now, now what happens, they, Elliot? There's a bunch of tech talk and they realize, hey, for some, the hackers need some kind of communication dish to get the new code for the, so they can hack the vault. So if they can use the the weather truck's winch to pull down the the antenna that the communication device is on, then they can stop the bad guys from getting the new code. So they go off and do that. This involves Will having to get out and climb a ladder in a storm as debris is flying all around him. Yeah, and I he, don't, he's got like this big like <clears throat> chain going from like or like a big you know metal cord going from a uh, from the Dominator. From well, from a vehicle to a, like a high building during a storm, and uh-huh. f- for all the world, it just looks like the end of like Back to the Future. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Except without the fun. Yeah, without the fun. They did a yeah. they did one of those fun funectomies on it. If you wanted to watch Back to the Future and you don't like fun or incest, then Hurricane Heist has a little <laughs> bit of what you're looking for. <laughs> I'm glad you made those two discreet 
uh, elements. But you know, I mean, shit. if you still do like, if you like incest, you can always write fanfic about the brothers. Like that, you got that option open to you. But very fair. Yeah, you can ship those two brothers. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they'll. That's some. I'm sure there's tons of Hurricane Heist fanfic <laughs> out there with just every permutation of characters in a relationship. Uh, okay. So they're going to uh, – but then the bad guys see them, and they come by, ah, and there's, like, shooting and crashing and exploding. To be honest, I totally could not fully keep track of what the general specifics were of what's going on in this fight. Yep. Uh, but the hackers start receiving the code, and the good guys pull down the tower just as the bad guys are about to get the last number of the code. Ah, so close. Now, and this is the fight. Yeah. This is the fight with the aforementioned razor-sharp hubcap frisbees. Dan, would you like to describe them? No, I just, they, he, like, knocks, I, I, are they from his car, or did he just, no, like, no, knock no, them I over? have no idea. They're at, like, I, a... They're at, like, a tow yard. I think yeah. they might even be at a... Is that what it was? Yeah. He, and like, they, knocks over a thing. He's, like... The woman, uh, Maggie Grace, is like, you don't have any bullets. You don't have a gun. What are you going to do? And he's like, I'll leave it to me. And he like, runs over. <laughs> I'm a meteorologist. I can I mean, anything's a weapon in my hands. Yeah, yeah he's a, <laughs> he's he's a, a PhD, like dude. He just starts whipping like hubcap after hubcap at these guys. One of them well, embeds himself in this guy. And this is the first time in the movie where I <laughs> laughed so hard <laughs> that I almost passed out. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not even—he's not even throwing them at them. He's just tossing them into the wind, and he's like, "Breeze, do your thing." <laughs> he's, he's like, Aeolus, I pray to you, carry this hubcap to my target." It's—it's it's a little bit like uh, when you blow like a dandelion puffball, and it's just the well, wind is just going to take those seeds where it, where it may, so that they land. But this time, it's hubcaps into a man's chest, yeah. and it's just like, "Wait, hold on a second. What are we? What are we doing in this movie?" Uh, but that's, that is the best moment in the movie. It's, I wish, I wish the movie had followed that lead a little bit more and just gotten super crazy because every time it's about to get super crazy, it like goes, it like pulls itself yeah, back a little pumps bit. The brakes. It's like, oh, wait a minute. People might not take this heist during a hurricane seriously enough if we keep doing these things. Don't they, uh, does this, this leads to the bad guys getting mad that, uh, the good guys get away and then they they orchestrate an extra, an exchange between Breeze and Cor Agent Corbin. Maybe is that what? Oh well, before we, before that happens, let me just tell two things. One is that Agent Corbin and Will they've been bonding every now and then. They banter while both urinating in in <laughs> behind different pillars of a I don't know is it a bridge or a parking garage. Mm -hmm. and it's just very funny this moment where they're they're it's just like the two heroes are just peeing. They're just yeah. talking to each other <laughs> while peeing. I mean, I, and, I appreciate that yeah. they acknowledge the fact, like, you know what, in the middle of all this, we got to take a whiz. Yeah, and I mean, that was another, like, again, if they went with that kind of moment more, it's it's a little bit like, uh, I remember someone saying about the show 24, that they wanted there to be an episode where he just runs into a bathroom and for a full minute he's just peeing and then he runs out again. Because if that's 24 hours, he's going to have to use the bathroom at some point. Yeah, and he's going to have to but, eat uh, regularly because he's doing all that action. He's burning cows. Oh, yeah. He's like the Flash. He has to eat pizza after pizza to keep his calories up so that he can keep running. Uh, then there's a moment where the sheriff and his deputies, they they briefly get into an argument with Connor, and Connor kills the sheriff, and the deputies join him. This is one of those moments where, like, I think they're basically, one, just getting rid of an extraneous character, the sheriff. Yeah, yeah. And two, the the actor playing the sheriff gets to monologue a little bit about, like, you think this is, you know, we see people people getting rich everywhere now. It's our turn for a piece of the pie, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's the moment where the actor was like, "All right, I'll do this job. Like, write write me a speech." 
But, uh, okay, so they announce they're going to exchange prisoners. Yeah. Corbin says she'll trade herself for Breeze and this other hostage, Moreno, who runs the facility, and I've been ignoring him up till now because he doesn't really do anything through most of the movie. He looks He's just, he like just looks like sad or kind of disappointed in himself most of the time. Because he thinks he should be the hero of the movie. Yeah. Sure. He's like, oh, I, I'm kind of in charge of this. I should be the one who's like Air Force wanting these guys. Yeah. And like, get out of my office. But instead, he's he's just a hostage. Yeah, he keeps like waiting for his moment, and it's just not happening. It's like uh, like when you're at a party and you're like, I want to make my move on that cute Dan McCoy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He seems exactly. so aloof in the corner over there. Yeah. Petting but the then cat. It's just, you miss your chance, and he walks out by himself, sighing. Uh huh. <laughs> or like, uh, it's it's a. Uh, that the uh, you know we're all the hero of our own life story, but except for Moreno, who is not. <laughs> uh, Corbin he's is just, the hero of his life story. Yeah, he's just happy to be invited. And uh, before, while they're planning the prisoner exchange over walkies talkie, mm-hmm. uh, Will manages to tell Breeze that he loves him, and that's the first. It looks like the ice between these two brothers, as Christopher Walken said in the Dead Zone, is gonna melt. Uh, the deputies they have their hand off. They do it at like an abandoned mall. I'm gonna have mall. to double check that that actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the deputies uh, they come to hand over Breeze, but not Moreno. Mm-hmm. And this is when Casey and, and Will by, by uh, handing over Breeze, you're talking about the character, not the the uh, the wind. <laughs> no, not the wind. They, they, they have like a they it in a bag. No, they don't have the cask of winters or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, yeah, they they managed like like a, a Greek god to capture the wind in a sack. Mm-hmm. To, uh, but uh, so uh, they they're going to hand over a breeze, the brother, in exchange for Corbin. But Corbin and Will have a little plan up their sleeve, and by little plan, I mean the craziest plan ever. <laughs> because Corbin shoots out the glass roof of the mall. The wind sucks the deputies out like a vacuum. Luckily, Will and Corbin are already already wearing some kind of like water skiing harness. Yeah, they went to and- Dick's Sporting Goods and they got like uh like a base jumping harness. Yeah, so they're whipping uh, they're, yeah. they're whipping around in the storm like a pair of kites. And they look like CGI balloons, and it is hilarious. <laughs> it was the second time that I laughed so hard I was passed out. So, <laughs> and meanwhile, Breeze saves himself by I don't know, I don't know. Uh, I, I think he just holds on really tight. <laughs> he just holds on because he's got what spider powers. Yeah. He can just stick to any surface. Mm-hmm. I mean, he like the didn't he like didn't the he was the meteorologist, captain of the football team, dude? Yeah, didn't the oh, yeah, that's true. didn't the meteorologist signal him by like. He goes like blue forty two twenty two. Yeah. But so so what so what that, football play is that that we're gonna blow out the the ceiling <laughs> and the wind is so gonna hold on tight to a pillar <laughs> as the wind. Yeah. But, and later they use this. I think the same the same football I, play oh, later means yeah, I think use I, our trucks to crash into another truck. Yeah, I remember both those plays from uh, from Tecmo Bowl. You know where you have yeah. to pick yeah. w- one of four different plays. <laughs> I gotta say. If 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 one of the football plays was shoot out the roof and wind blows the players away, I'd watch football. <laughs> I mean, it's very similar to the my usual strategy in Tech Mobile, which is take a shotgun hike, go just run back as far as possible and long bomb it and hope that you that Jerry Rice catches it in the end zone. <laughs> so, what if you're not playing a team that Jerry Rice is on? Uh, that's insane. The fucking 49ers <laughs> were by far the best team in that game. And for some reason, Bo Jackson was the best running back in the universe. Well, because he could also use his baseball that's skills. That's true. And those he are your uh, Tech Mobile tips from Old Stu. Yeah, Tech Mobile <laughs> tips. Play the 49ers or maybe the Raiders. Uh, so... Uh, Breeze saves himself, and then uh, Corbin, and, and then but he just kind of 
disappears for a while, right? Yeah, he uh, just disappears. He like he just, so for all for all Corbin and Will know, Breeze is dead. Uh-huh. They're like, well, that worked out okay. Uh, <laughs> but they managed to take a moment to bond over some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's a little character and, moment. And Corbin says, "Okay, here's what we need to do: set off a car bomb when they're trying to escape with the money." And Will is like, "Okay, yeah, let's do that." So they go. This is a plan that although he objects, he objects when he learns that they're going to use his car. Well. There's there's a lot of complications here because she based her entire argument that they should do it on the fact that Timothy McVeigh did it. Yes. <laughs> so that's weird. She's like, it worked once. <laughs> she's like, she's like, hey, look, are we better? Are we above doing what Timothy McVeigh did? Who are we to ju- say we're better than Timothy McVeigh? But it's also it's there's a certain thing that happens in old science fiction where they'll someone will suggest. They'll, it'll very as if it's very logical. They'll suggest something crazy. They're like, "Hmm, the aliens all sounded like they were talking backwards." Well, the only explanation is that we're in some sort of reverse time warp. It does, it's never existed before. Yeah, you're right. And the audience is just supposed to go with it. And her idea that she's like, "Okay, they're going to drive out of here using the eye of the storm, the calm of it, to shield their trucks from the hurricane." Hmm. I guess the only way to stop them. And of course, we have to stop them, even no matter how many lives it takes, because we can't let that that old money get out. Well, I mean, we her argument, and the only way to do around. it is to explode a car bomb right next to. Well, them. that's the other thing. Like her argument keeps being, we need to stop them because once they have the money, they'll just kill the hostages. So, like, if they're going to use a car bomb, first off, she doesn't. She doesn't say that she's like a demolitions expert or anything. She just cites a famous case of demolition. <laughs> but then she, <laughs> you know, she's like, well, she's like, we got to build a nuclear, we got to build an atomic bomb. It worked on Japan, didn't it? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, right, good point. So is she just saying like, well, they're going to get the money anyway and kill all those people, so we can just use a bomb? Who gives a shit? Or if they were to get the money and then drive out with the hostages, that she'd just be blowing up the hostages. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's true. Uh, anyway, uh, and then it doesn't of course matter. They use Luckily, the, this is a narrative cult. <laughs> yes, because and that, they go the to a greenhouse. Also to use the Dominator, yeah. who is the hero of the movie up to this point. <laughs> yeah. Why would you blow that up? Yeah, well, I mean, even Mad Max blew up the last of the Interceptors, you know, when he had to. Yeah. But, oh. I just, it just doesn't make sense. I just, I, I mean, just love I, that the, Dominator. <laughs> I will say the, the Interceptor did come back in the third movie after he blew it up, right? No, yeah. anyway. Maybe it was the second to last of the uh, Interceptors. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so they go to a greenhouse to pick up some fertilizer to make their Timothy McVeigh-inspired car bomb. Uh, <laughs> but then a wave surge smashes through the greenhouse. Oh, no, and the bad guys are there, too. They confront them. And waves smash through, and Breeze saves Will in a motorboat, like he's Sean Penn in New Orleans or something. Uh, well, that's after now, Will washes up on something, and he he is saved from drowning. And when he climbs atop the rocky atoll, he believes has saved his life. It is in fact the wreck of his Dominator. In one last, oh, I totally missed that. Has yeah. saved his life. <laughs> the Dominator says, "Remember me." <laughs> the Dominator goes, "Earn this," and then breathes its last. I'm 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 cold, Will. <laughs> Did I get to be a hero this time? <laughs> you never you dominated everything dominator dominate you got to dominate this time no my dominating days are early are over <laughs> what what's that grandma dominator is that you coming to the light yeah uh, you got you anyway, got, any, you got any dominator jokes dan no dan, any death do- dead dominator <laughs> no jokes? i don't d- dead dominator jokes uh 
How many dead dominators like, <laughs> does it take? I'm I'm thir- I'm thirsty. I'm so so cold and thirsty. <laughs> but you're surrounded by water, Dominator. Is this some kind of weird Sisyphus thing? <laughs> or wait, no, Tantalus. Damn it. Oh. oh, so close. And you know what, Stuart? I give you credit because you corrected yourself on that. That's fine. <laughs> okay, cool. So it still counts. Of all the, I get, I, wait, get, how long, I get partial credit on the joke. How long? Yeah, exactly. You get a B plus on that. How long is it before we see a like Ocean's Eleven type thing where it's all the all the heroes who are stuck in uh, Hades at, with ironic punishments are going to break out of Hades? So it's like Tantalus, Sisyphus, Prometheus. They've all got to, like, like band together was, to break Theseus out. Theseus was stuck in Hades for a while. I mean, they all were eventually. Like, uh, you know, Odysseus just came down to visit for a little bit. Uh-huh, yep. Or- uh, Orpheus's wife. And, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, Eurydice, she's down there. Oh, yeah, she's the babe. The, she's the she's the, the babe of the group. Oh, yeah. So Sisyphus would be, what, the strong man. He's your muscle. Yeah, of course. Uh Tantalus, is, Prometheus is like the tech guy because he has fire. Theseus, technology Theseus is your like your your fuck up hero who was a hero yeah, once, yeah. but he's like you know he's he's weak willed. He's a wreck of himself, and he's got to find his inner hero again. Yeah, after and, after uh, uh, yeah. yeah. And Tantalus is like what like the goofy nerd that can never get what he wants. Uh-huh. You know, he's always de- like ooh so close. That's his catchphrase. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's. I think that should definitely be Tantalus's catchphrase. Is so close. <laughs> well, that'll be on the poster Hit yeah, when yeah, they do his s- character poster. That's what it's going <laughs> to yeah. say. And Sisyphus's catchphrase in this poster is again. <laughs> oh man, uh, I, I like this uh, this dark universe we're building. <laughs> yeah. And it's called like Hades Eight or something like that. Yep. Yeah. They were Hades brought together all the worst of the worst of Greek yeah, mythology, and it's like. Either Charon is the guy who brings them together, he's their fixer, or he's the guy they have to pull a fast one on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they've got to get back. Or, uh, and and uh, Medea is there somewhere, but it's the Medea from the Tyler Perry movies. <laughs> sure. Cradling dead Not- children in her arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, no wonder you killed your children, Medea. You're a mad black woman. Let me read your diary. <laughs> yeah. If the, anyway, if the listeners uh, are wondering why I'm not saying anything, it's because I have very little knowledge of Greek mythology. Oh, really? Uh, that was like that, that was that was like comic books for me before I was reading comic books. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the great thing about Greek and Roman mythology is that you can decode just about any old painting if you know it. Yeah, yeah. I lo- like I, I love to take Sammy to art museums and I point out like, okay, this is this character that represents that. This is this like there's Artemis that represents this thing. Like it's. It's mm-hmm. it, it's really cool. Those paintings, Dan, that you think are just boring and bogus. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting ideas. <laughs> or those, that's right. Or those when I see them, I go bogus. <laughs> those paintings you look at just because of all the thick folks on them, uh, the Peter Paul Rubens <laughs> stuff. Yeah, that's those right. are actually about Greek mythology. Now. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, so anyway, so Greek mythology, the original superheroes. Try them, won't you, kids? <laughs> anyway. So uh, the bad guys take in Corbin, and they're like, give us the code to the vault, or we're going to throw Moreno through the shredder. And she says, okay, okay, and she finds the iPad she hid that has the code to the vault on it. So they just shoot Moreno anyway. But it's one of those things where Connor is like, I'm not done with you get Corbin. So they don't kill her, even though they probably should right there. Uh, the crooks plan they're going to use the Eye of the Storm to escape with the money. Reason and Will decide to take a shortcut to catch up with them and head them off at the pass. And while they're driving... Will apologizes to Breeze, and Breeze apologizes to Will, and then Breeze is like, hey, now that we've done that, 
can we make can you make me a promise? Let's never share our feelings again. <coughs> and Will's like, all right, good buddy. Yeah. And everything's good with them. So are uh, we to assume they had no conversations or contact between the uh, the opening of the movie and the, when they are reunited later in the movie? I mean, very little. They've been busy in gunfights, and, and Breeze has spent most of the money trying to fix that backup generator. So, I'm, I mean, I'm just trying to say the where in the beginning of the movie where Will kept uh, saying that the reason they were stuck in the hurricane is because Breeze needed a kite – once again, playing on that name, uh, <laughs> and that it's his fault that their dad got rolled over by a giant. Uh, what was that? A water tower? Uh, it was either a water tower or a silo of some kind. Mm-hmm. I think it was a water tower, or some kind of dad crushing device. Um, <laughs> Why did the farm have one of those? <laughs> Why? Indeed? There's only one use for them. Uh, but are are we to assume that was like the only time they've talked? <laughs> like that they hadn't talked at all between. 1992 and present day. I mean, I, it's. I think it's okay to. I think it's okay to assume that they've had minimal contact and that contact has been strained. They've never really yeah. opened up to each other about it. And I mean, uh, he and he also his consciousness may have been ruptured by seeing a human skull in the storm class. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you got to believe also that Will is probably a schizophrenic of some kind. Yeah. Like he is. He believes the storm. Like he believes he has a mystical connection to the storm in a way. Yeah. He's he worried that like that, Imhotep has risen from his tomb and taken yeah, the form exactly. Of the storm. He saw it in a movie. It has to be real. It has to be real. But I can understand them not. Spe- I mean, like you're talking to somebody who one of my great grandmothers stopped talking to my other great grandmother because one of the one of them I forget who was who, but one of them walked into the bedroom of their apartment at the other's apartment and saw a comforter on the bed and said it was an ugly comforter, and they never talked to each other again. <laughs> Yeah. So, so I totally believe that they haven't talked about the death of their father and you know for many years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At the funeral, they just uh, the surviving one just spat on the grave. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's, there's so, an ugly comforter. I thought he was going to say gently lay the ugly comforter over. <laughs> Said I've learned my lesson. Why didn't I? You know what? The comforter is not so bad. Oh, why didn't I say it earlier? Why did I wait till now? No, what they happened was they, there was a comforter on the casket. And then when it was all done and they played taps, they lifted it up and folded it, and then gave it to the other my other great grandma mm-hmm. for her to for her to keep as a token of her country's love. Anyway, so they're they're driving through the eye of the storm, but uh oh, the deadly storm eye wall, eye storm wall, mm-hmm. the the wind is mm-hmm. following the bad guys. And uh, Will and Breeze they start jumping from convoy truck to convoy. There's three trucks of money in this bad guy convoy. Will and Breeze are just jumping from truck to truck because they're fucking commandos all of yeah. a sudden. And, yeah, they're American Ninja Warriors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they take over the last truck in which the hackers were canoodling. The guy hacker was driving with the lady hacker wiggling on his lap. Not safe, especially in the eye of a hurricane. Yeah, I mean, even though I've, even I've though, seen Charlie Sheen's The Chase with Christy Swanson. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's possible. That is, uh, I think that's my favorite shoehorned in uh, lovemaking scene oh, in yeah. any movie ever. <laughs> Where they just like yeah. yeah they make love in the car as they're being chased yeah and like the sound of the the chase like fades off into the background and I think like the sun starts to set <laughs> <laughs> uh, they just lock eyes and uh, it cuts to the two of them like dancing on a desert plane <laughs> that's what represents their lovemaking <laughs> yeah 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 
and they and they orgasm so hard that atomic bombs go off in the background, and then we zoom out. All that was going on in Christy Swanson's eye, and they're like, "Oh, that was good. <laughs> well, back to the chase." Yeah, yeah, and then they take her out of the chair and they put Michael Palin in, or no, uh, jo- what, who's the guy? Who's the guy from that? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Jonathan Price. Yeah, Jonathan Price. Yeah, so, How could I forget Brazil our guy? president, Jonathan <laughs> Price? No, no, that's Zanzibar. What's the name of that GI Joe character? Zoltar. Uh, I think it's yeah. I think it's Zanzibar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, Zardoz. No, Zardoz. Is a Zordon. Thing. The, Zordon. The web of references has gotten. <laughs> Too thick. I've Zelda? Gotten cut up. Caught no, up Zelda's in, the boy. I I'm a spider caught oh, in my own right. web right now. Oh, that, that's right. The G.I. Joe villain, Emil Zola, <laughs> change, who's a master of disguise and also realistic novels. Uh, okay. So, uh, I, what, what was it? Oh, yeah. So, anyway, they're in the eye of the hurricane. As we all know, in the eye of a hurricane, there's quiet for just a moment, uh-huh. a patch of yellow sky. And uh, they are fighting the bandits in the trucks. They're making it swerve all over. Will's climbing on top of the truck. Uh, Corbin will take the second truck, and my notes just here say fighting, swerving, crashing, shooting, etc. The eye wall is almost up to them, more shooting and chasing, uh, and Will and Breeze, they've each got a truck in their command now, and Corbin is kind of like fighting with the person in her truck. Oh, yeah, and they, they hit that bump, and the guy flies up into the air, and then she uses the, the, the brief respite from this guy wrestling her to grab the gun and shoot him a bunch of times. Yeah, I gotta say... And no yeah. blood goes anywhere. I, I, I had been kind of annoyed that the movie... You know, posited Maggie Grace as this kind of badass heroine, and then had her get captured and needed to be like saved by the guys. Yeah, but Although still, at the end, she like kind of didn't need it. I mean, she's she, she's she genuinely the toughest rescue. person in the yes, movie. before the before the guys come in. She, yeah, but she's she's already on the trying to rescue herself, and she is also. I mean, nobody in this movie is too competent, <coughs> but she she is like a little more on the ball than some of the other ones. Yeah. Uh, Will and Breeze are each driving a truck, and they use that football play they've been talking about, which is like Blue Red 22 mm-hmm. Hike 7 or something like that. Yep. And they box in Connor's truck. Connor is the last bad guy standing. I'm glad that He's we saw this truck. movie, so now the next time Elliot goes to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings and he like sidles up to some <laughs> table of sports guys, he'll have, uh, he'll have a way to blend in with the crowd. <laughs> I'll have one football play to talk about. <laughs> yep. I mean, I you know my I I don't know if you know my solution to those situations in New York at least uh-huh. is whenever the subject of baseball would come up, they'd go like like who do you follow? And I'd say oh I'm a Royals fan, and nobody in New York cares about the Royals. They'd be like oh okay, and they'd change the subject to something else. Mm-hmm. But I but they as long as I had to say oh I'm a Royals fan, they'd know okay sports great. You, I don't care you about say those you're sports, a Royals but. fan, and then you whip out your phone and start playing an episode of the hit TV show The Royals. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, no, I just play Lords Royals. <laughs> <laughs> and you shove your phone in their face. So they, like, <laughs> you, yeah. you go get it, get I it. Go, Shazam this motherfuckers. <laughs> then I walk out, <laughs> leaving your phone behind you. <laughs> Yeah, and they're like, we don't need to use Shazam to identify the song. The name's right on the phone. Free phone, I guess. I lose more phones that way. Uh, so they they uh, Connor's driving his truck. They box him in and then push him back, so he's behind them, which forces him, I guess, to be their sacrifice to the god of the eye of the storm. Yeah. And in its savage hunger, it pulls his truck apart into a million pieces, yeah, and the money blows at everywhere. This point, at this point, they don't need to kill him, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> he's, he, they, he doesn't all he have, have to do any is, hostages anymore. 
No, he has no hostages. All the other bad guys are incapacitated. All, I mean, there's a reason that when cops are chasing someone, you have something called a low-speed chase, where they're just trying to get that person to eventually get trapped and stop. They're not trying to kill anybody or hurt anyone along the way. Yeah. So the fact that they're like, now it's judgment time, and they've got to like push him into the storm wall is crazy. And during this whole vengeance. sequence, yeah. uh, that the, the, the guy who plays the bad guy, Ralph Ennison, has so much awesome, like, grunt ADR work that they did <laughs> yeah. where he's got like anytime anything happens you just hear him going uh, uh, uh. like he but feels see, he is so connected to the truck he's driving he feels every, back- <laughs> every scratch of paint <laughs> oh that by the well it's like venom they become one now you know they're one being so he's pushed uh, back toward the toward the wall the eye wall well, I love the money. The tr- back of the truck is is ripped apart and the money blows out and he's like ah oh, come on my money <laughs> and uh and he, so, gets, and he, he gets mur- he gets killed well he gets uh, killed when the money that he had spent so much time and effort comes crashing down uh, like it flies back out of the storm yeah. and lands yeah. on the cab of his truck and he explodes it's, it's like the storm That's, believes in dramatic irony yeah. and it's like you wanted money take some and it slams into that was the it. third yeah. hilarious thing for me when the, the, the truck just blows up <laughs> when, the, when the back of it lands on the cab yeah i mean uh i guess at that point for him death was instantaneous so yeah. at least he didn't suffer you know no i mean he suffered seeing all his money go away because he was he suffered what we all suffer uh-huh. at the end of our lives which is seeing our grand plans fall apart as we realize how powerless we are mm-hmm. in the face of the universe and also how futile yeah. all of our attempts at glory Material wealth, pleasure, all of those things are so fleeting and meaningless. They're less than the lifespan of a midge fly mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of yeah. the cosmos. You- and we all kind of realize that at the end of our lives and we all have that moment of soul death yeah, that yeah. comes before physical death. Uh, I think, yeah, at best we can hope for a lone traveler traveling across the desert and happening upon uh, the remains of a statue with just just our feet sticking up anymore that has some bullshit about our name being something cool i I space out for a second and suddenly you're talking about all this depressing shit what's going on yeah uh dan it's called it's the way of all things uh sick transit gloria and all that stuff ozymandias you you know what i think just start yeah just start being depressed i think you'll like it anyway so the 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 wall you don't have to tell me twice <laughs> well, Dan's on the floor running in circles on his side. <laughs> but he's also he's also really sad about it. I'd love to see a, a short now called The Depressed Stooges and Curly is doing his walking around in circles on the floor but he's crying the whole time. <laughs> so instead of going, woo, 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 it's woo, 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 woo. the three sad guys. Uh Mo, Larry and Dan. They just like they break a dowager's uh, vase, and then she, then they're like, "We're never going to be able to pay this off." <laughs> oh God! Oh God! This is the, this is the first. This is going to spiral us into bankruptcy and destitution. Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Uh, <laughs> Mo goes to poke one of the other Larry in the eyes, and Larry doesn't even shield himself. He's like, "I've seen too much." Of this <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so. The eyewall cloud, it's coming closer and closer, and uh, they have to move from one truck to the other because I guess one of them is a little bit slower. I don't remember why. No, there's no uh, reason. And- there's no reason. They both have a truck, <laughs> but for some reason they're like, all right, one of us has to jump from one truck to the other well, truck. No, the engine of one truck like explodes. And oh, really? like black smoke pouring out of it. Okay. 
I, I didn't I remember that. that part. I like couldn't. I think I spaced out for a moment. I'm like, why are they switching trucks just to make it easier for them to all get to the same place at the same time? Yeah, like, doesn't... do they have a dinner reservation and they're worried they're not going to get seated if they're not all there at the yeah, right then? I think what had happened uh, was when that first truck exploded, you guys both jumped up off your couch and started looking around and saying, "Did anybody see that?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you and missed Archie the, went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you missed that. Uh, now I. I pulled a Dan McCoy on this, and I watched this movie while on a plane. Okay. So, so you should. I was on my. W- you should have liked it more. Yeah, I don't know. I was pretty tired. It was a nighttime flight to New Orleans, so I could go promote a my children's book that comes out in the fall, Horse Meets Dog. That's very a. appropriate, though. Miller. I mean, did comes out at the end of October. Uh, it's for children everywhere. I think people will love it. But uh, so I was already tired, so it was like. I didn't have that lightheadedness that comes with being on a plane where you enjoy movies right. more, what I call Dan syndrome. Uh-huh. But anyway, so they've got to move from one truck to the other, and uh, the truck with Breeze and the hackers has to move into the truck with, with Will and Corbin and a dead body. And Breeze, of course, he's a hero, so he goes first before the woman <laughs> hacker. And then he's going to help her over, and she's a little scared. And just as she's about to cross over, that truck is just blown off into, into chaos. <laughs> At least they're doing <laughs> together, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now the hackers have been hacked by the ultimate software, Wind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, they out and the good guys outrun the eye of the storm, and it's just there's no hurricane anymore. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of like they start bantering, and it's almost like they're just killing time until the end credits show up. <laughs> like the <laughs> like the end credits are running a little late, and they've been told to stretch. So they're like, yeah. All right. So, yeah. uh, mm. peanut butter and okay. jelly, right? That was good. No, uh, Maggie Grace is like, hey, we got all this money. No one knows we have it. Like, we can just go. Why don't we just go to Mexico? Go to Mexico. And, and like, it, they play it very seriously for a moment. And I'm just like, if this movie follows through this, I will fucking love it forever. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they don't. She goes, no. I'm just kidding, guys. Yeah. And they laugh. And then they just sit there. And it's a little bit like Which, uh, which is crazy. Like because the, at this point... <laughs> Who gives a fuck? They should have that hat, like, yeah. end it in a weird note rather than a boring note. Yeah, but it, it ends almost like the end of The Graduate. They're just kind of staring into space as they drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, and it's wondering the, what happened to their lives. It's, it's the end of Michael Clayton, where the credits just roll <laughs> yeah. over George Clooney's face. Because, I mean, really, what have the heroes accomplished in all of this? I mean... The, the- They've saved some money that was going to be re- destroyed anyway, and only at the cost of maybe a dozen people's lives. Exactly. So... Uh, but who knows? Maybe they'll eat, they'll get a medal from Princess Leia, except for <laughs> Breeze, who's the Chewbacca of the group. <laughs> yeah, I think that actually checks out. That tracks. Uh, and so that's uh, yeah, and that's the end of the hurricane heist. They just oh, I was gonna say my favorite thing about that ending of Michael Clayton is a story I heard somewhere. So I don't know if it's true, but that they were shooting that in a real taxi cab in New York, and that. While they were driving, a car was next to them, and the guys in the car recognized George Clooney and were like, Hey, George Clooney! Whoa! <laughs> Clooney, over here! And he had to just ignore them and stare ahead. Wow. Yeah, he, he deserves the Oscar. He won for that. <laughs> uh, I don't think he won I, for that. I know. He won for Syriana, I think, for Best Supporting Actor, because he grew a beard for that one. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's why so, uh, that's why head of Max Fun Network Jesse Thorne grew his beard was he was courting Oscar Buzz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you were to say it was the Syriana look. <laughs> yeah, that was that was sweeping uh, the yeah, country. It, was the, the, it was the drive jacket of that year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, guys, that's the hurricane heist. Heist over, hurricane done. Three people survived, and now they're just mm-hmm. gonna deliver that 
dead, dead money. Yeah. All those dead presidents. Luckily, the uh, police force in Gulfport is decimated. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's also true. The, the Gulfport has no law enforcement now because every single member of the force turned bad. Like, I, I kind of wanted to see the scene where the sheriff goes to his deputies and is like, hey, I think we're going to steal a lot of money to the hurricane. And every single deputy is like, I'm on board. And the sheriff for just a moment was like, uh, maybe I don't have the best force with me. I mean, I'm <laughs> glad you guys are with me on this, but I just realized that maybe I wasn't working with the best people all this time. Yeah. Uh, we should do our final judgments, whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked. Um, I'll say that I thought this was a good, bad movie for me. I, uh, I like movies that are heist movies, and I like movies that are disaster movies, and the dumber the better, usually. Um, well, not so much for heist movies. I like, I like smart heist movies, and I like dumb disaster movies, and this was dumb on both counts. But it made me laugh a few times. I don't know. I got a kick out of it. I also, I, uh, I had a friend, uh, over when we were watching it. And so maybe I enjoyed it more than you guys because I got to laugh at the silly stuff, uh, mm-hmm. with someone that's, else. Uh, that's a real cool way to sneak in that you have friends. Yeah. Yeah. We get it, Dan. Friend. You're like Frankenstein's monster. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. You're okay. Joey, Phoebe, et cetera. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're just hanging out at Central Park watching Hurricane Heist. Not letting Gunther come watch Hurricane Heist. Um, <laughs> you it. At you and your and the monkey perched on your shoulder because that's right, Dan. You're Ross. You're not even Chandler. You're Ross in this scenario. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's not the worst. Thing. Uh, he's pretty bad. Okay. Um, no, Ross is the worst of them. Yeah. Chandler is annoying, but Ross is a monster. Yeah, that's true. I mean, one, he has a pet fucking monkey. That's not right. Mm-hmm. That monkey shouldn't be there. Nope, you're Number right. Number two. He like he's like oh I'm a sensitive guy that means I can play with women's emotions and it's okay yeah, blah 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 yeah, I'm a sad it's guy terrible. yeah Whereas I'm Chandler one, of the, I'm one just, of the good ones yeah I'm one of the good Chandler ones. just Why had that like understand that? Chandler just had that thing where his uh he just he had that cocaine problem right and he is yeah yeah Chandler's just he's got a drug addict and Joey is clearly gay and is afraid to admit it and that's why he overcompensates oh, with all the like, macho stuff yeah that explains yeah. it. Um, now, now going to the girl's side, uh-huh. Rachel, of course, <laughs> is Rachel is a psychopath. Uh-huh. He's just killing people left and right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why they Monica, called that haircut the Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why they, they that's why they made that movie Monster, the Rachel story. Uh, <laughs> Phoebe, of course, as you can probably tell, has serious trauma issues and is dealing with in PTSD. And Monica. Uh, you know, Monica, I don't even think – if you look at all the clues in the episodes, I think you've realized Monica doesn't exist and is just like a, a shared hallucination of the rest of the group. Oh, she's a Mr. Robot. Spoiler Exactly, alert. yeah. <laughs> I feel like putting – like being a closeted gay man in with all these other negative things That's kind of – true. Makes it sound like they're all equal and uh, – That's true, Dan. I would, I would say, Dan, Joey not being true to himself and being afraid of his – true person, whether that's because someone has imposed that pressure on him or because he himself has his own misunderstood ideas of what it means to be a man, that is a negative thing. I want him to be free and open about himself and comfortable. All right, all right. As long is. as we're clear about that. I, uh... I'm not judging him for being gay. I'm judging him for not being honest with himself. All right. Well, I'm glad that we... Maybe that's not his fault. I'm glad we worked out the friends, but how do you feel about the hurricane eyes? <laughs> we... Now let's, well, let me get started on Frasier. Anyway, so... <laughs> Niles is another uh, one of those good guys, you know? He's just a good guy. <laughs> he's just a good guy. A I mean, the guy. fact that he wants to cheat on his wife with the woman who works for his brother, and therefore there's a real power yeah, that's a misdynamic comfortable there. comfortable power dynamic. 
Yeah, yeah. And that their dad is infantilized uh, to the point where they treat him like a child. Yeah, all right. And of course, yes. Yes, every comedy <laughs> has a lot of problems. Let's move on. <laughs> Uh, what's the next thing we do on this podcast, no, Dan? No, you gotta just do a judgment. Just do it I will say my final judgment, I wanted this movie to be a good, bad movie so badly. I think it got pretty close in my mind, but I found it kind of boring for most of it. But I think if I was watching it with another person, yes, I would have found it to be good, bad, because there are a couple of crazy moments, but the action scenes are pretty boring. And, uh, I mean, that's, I think that's actually the hallmark of a good, bad movie is that if you watch it by yourself, it's often boring and it's fun to watch with a group. So I'll say it yes. is a good, bad movie. And also... Four for four uh, with Rob Cohen directed movies. I think he's directed like five movies, and we reviewed four of them <laughs> on the podcast. So wait, there. Wait, what? Is, we didn't do Fast and the Furious no. as one of our movies. That's his most successful what, movie by far. Obviously. What other Rob Cohen movies did we do? Stealth. Uh, we did Stealth, not with you, but we did Stealth. No, I missed it. We did The Boy Next Door. Uh huh. And oh right. Uh, what was the other one? Do you remember the heist? I'm the heist next up. hurricane. Uh, it was Stewart's. Pulling it up, so guys, Stewart saves his family. It is Stewart saves his family. <laughs> Rob Cohen pulling it up. You guys vamp while I uh, do this. It wasn't okay. So Dragonheart, the movie he directed. Oh, Alex Cross. Boom. Oh yeah, Alex Cross. Oh, I didn't realize he made that one. Yeah. So Rob Cohen, if he wants to, uh, is that the most by any director we've done? I think it might be. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes in the Flop Hall of Fame, uh, which is enshrined in the hearts of Americans everywhere, and. Uh, and congratulations to him. You know, I guess he'll get his no prize in the mail yeah. for being the most flop director. Yeah, he, his jersey is going to be put up in the Flophouse Raptors. Mm-hmm. What, what about the Flophouse Raptors? Uh, those don't exist. Oh yeah, you're right. I, I guess I'll just have to go see Jurassic World. No more parks <laughs> in theaters now. In <laughs> theaters at this moment. <laughs> The Greatest Discovery is a podcast about Star Trek Discovery and so much more, Ben. We watched the entire first season of Star Trek Discovery, but now we're finding all kinds of interesting ancillary topics to get into. We're interviewing our favorite people. Reading comic books. And we're updating you on the news about season two of Star Trek Discovery. It's news you can use and it's every two weeks on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Going into a bullseye interview, I know it's somebody who does amazing work, but if it's an actual conversation. I don't know where it's headed. The, the, absolutely. I, you're absolutely right. You said it actually better than I did, so I have to think about what that means. <laughs> <laughs> hey, these are, this, this, this is the straight talk that, that you're going to get on this show. Bullseye. Creators you know, creators you need to know. Find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. All right, we've got a couple of sponsors we want to say thank you to. And the first one is Blue Apron. Blue Apron delivers fresh pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step -step recipes right to your door that can be cooked in under 45 minutes. It's a wonderful service if you're lazy like me, if you're busy like Elliot, mm -hmm. if you're fizzy like Stu. <laughs> Very fizzy. Um... Who, by the so Dan, what? What? So Blue Apron. Yeah. Here's the, you know what I like about it best. What's that? Which is you don't have to you don't have to measure anything. Mm -hmm. I don't like using measuring cups. I'll tell you why. 
Because depending on what angle you look at them, it looks like they say different things. I don't like that. It's too stressful. It stresses me out because it's like, uh, let me hold it just right. Also, a lot of measuring cups, the handle is on the wrong side for me. Why would they put the handle so that I have to hold it in my left hand to look at the where how much stuff is in there, where the markings are, when I'm a right-handed guy? For too long, right-handed people have been oppressed by not having the right stuff. So I say measuring cups, no thank you. Blue Apron, thank you for freeing all of us from the oppression of measuring cups. Truly the devil's instrument on earth. Um, well, that's a very strong stance, but uh, sure, we can all go with that one. Oh, I, I, I'm not afraid of big measuring cup coming after me. Go for it. Pyrex, you know where I live. Send your goons over. I'll talk to you about your measuring cups. <laughs> all right. I, you don't want to get into you don't want to get into a, a mob battle with Pyrex. They're they're like the Cosa Nostra of uh, cooking things. Why? Just because Pyrex sounds like an alien robot that's super awesome? Yeah, yeah, sure, of course. With with fire powers, mm-hmm. yeah, of course. But still, I'm I'm not I'm willing to take a stand. Measuring cups drool, and Blue Apron rules, and that's just it, it, look. That's Kalen's law number four hundred and five. All right. Well, anyway, you should check out this week's menu and get your first. Three meals free at blueapron.com slash flophouse. That's blueapron.com slash flophouse. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And we're also sponsored by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. They offer affordable prices because they cut out the middleman and sell directly to you, the consumer. Guys, let me just say it. I don't like middlemen. I like top men and bottom men. Okay. Middlemen, no thank you. They've got the worst of it in the human centipede, and <laughs> they're and I think they're taking it out on the rest of us by jacking up prices. So, Casper, thanks for selling your mattresses directly. Now, Dan, I think we've talked about this. You use a Casper mattress, and you found it to be satisfying for both sleep and sexual purposes. Okay, correct? I don't want to get into uh, one half of that, at least. The sleep? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's too personal. Too personal. Do I snore? Yes. Yes, I snore. Now, Dan, I don't want to get too personal, but so you're in missionary. Is there enough spring in the mattress to really oh, give God you the traction it. you need? I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, <laughs> according to the copy, they combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sync and bounce. So if sync and okay, bounce, so I'll take that as a yes. Are things you're looking for, then you'll be you'll do yourself just fine with the Casper, and you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100 night risk free sleep on it trial. Now, uh, if you want a little discount, you can get fifty dollars towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com/flophouse. And using promo code FLOPHOUSE, all one word, at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Do they ever? Uh, we have a couple Jumbotrons. Stuart has run to the restroom. That's why he hasn't been talking for this entire segment. Yeah, he's been busy letting his body talk and, uh, in a different way. He has one of the Jumbotrons. Uh, so why don't I do mine that I have, yours. which is the other one? Okay, this is a personal Jumbotron. And it's for Lewis, and it's from Alyssa. And it said, and so Alyssa is saying to Lewis, "Happy anniversary and pre Father's Day." This is a little late, as you could tell. Father's Day was a couple weeks ago. <coughs> Happy anniversary and, and pre Father's Day to my best friend. If you're half as good at dadding as you are at husbanding, little Mind Ray will be one lucky kid. 
even if you make him listen to the whole back catalog of Flophouse and Adventure Zone when he's old enough. To the walls! Oh, so it looks like I think uh, Lewis and Alyssa might be expecting. That's wonderful. Congratulations, guys. Mm-hmm. That's the, the most wonderful joy that there is. And uh, Stuart has returned, so now it's time for our secondary Jumbotron. Secondary in time, not in, in importance. Oh, hey, guys. Were you cool enough to pause the recording while I uh, ran away? Uh, we were not. Oh, we cool. were not. Okay, so please leave in all that stuff. Okay. Okay, and Stuart, was it okay that we put the microphone up against the door <laughs> yeah. while you were in there? So I was like, ah, mommy! <laughs> <laughs> Anybody have a band-aid? It, it was just like in uh, Stephen King's Dreamcatchers. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Now, the question is, the person who came out of that bathroom, is it Stuart or a Stuart controlled by a shit weasel? Oh, no. Oh, no. no you'll find out later. Uh... So we got a Jumbotron, Jumbotron. The Comics Canon is the podcast that renders judgment on the great comic book stories of yesterday and today. Every two weeks, Kurt Holman and Kevin Moreau discuss such well-known stories as Batman, The Dark Knight Returns, Civil War, Fun Home, and more works that have become mass media sensations. Each episode answers the questions, how do these stories hold up? What's their larger impact on comics or pop culture? And do they belong in that comic book hall of fame known as dot dot dot, the comics canon? Find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, and comicscanon.com. And canon is spelled with one N, not two N, you jokesters. I, I do I love the idea that uh, comics is such a weird medium that it's like we're going to be judging Civil War and Fun Home like there is not two more different pieces of work. I mean I so don't think we're I'm going to have to give it a listen. I mean I don't think it's a uh, it's not like a it's battle like a, royale. It's not like a brackets situation <laughs> yeah. where they're like, like oh, fun okay home's gonna have mouse a tough went time. down against Watchmen. <laughs> yeah, fun fun. What's, like, the, what's so, a Ring fun. of Keys moment in Civil War? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh, but moving on. <laughs> like, okay, so our next matchup, it's Persepolis and Secret Wars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, okay, Dan, what do we do next? So we did the sponsor stuff. Yes. We did the other stuff. Now, this episode is going to air after, after our, our show. So we don't Seattle show. Plug it. We don't have to promote it. And, uh, Dan, do we have any other live shows coming up to perform? To promote? Yeah, but. Not, and to perform. No, we're, gonna, we're not going to plug them yet. Because <laughs> they're they're way in the they're future. Way in the future. We're gonna take we're taking a live show break after this after that CL show because I'm having a new baby. Mm. Having a new baby, new baby. That's our song, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We did the whole thing. That's the jingle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The hit single, guys. You just recorded your first number one hit. It's called New Baby. <laughs> I mean, throwing baby into almost <laughs> any song is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. That's what Richie Valance did, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Any song. Ave Marie, baby. It works. I'm glad that you did that because I was coming up with like only offensive songs to throw baby into. I'm like, mm-hmm. nope, nope, not that one either. Like what? Like no. closer and stuff like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like even worse. I don't even want to say what I was thinking. <laughs> All right. Let's just leave it up to the audiences of the imagination. Yeah. Okay. New contest right into what offensive song was Dan thinking of? Care of Dan McCoy, mm-hmm. 124 Main Street, Anytown, USA, Earth, Galaxy 5. 
Yes, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, there's a. I've got a, like a bad throat from uh, my party last night. Up, oh, you heard it here, folks. Dan's got a bad throat. Mm-hmm, we get it. You had a great time at your party. You were living it up as you were going down. We understand. All right. Anyway, so it's time for letters. Letters from listeners. Listeners like you. And the first letter is from Joe, last name withheld, who writes, I'm the- Hey there, Joe. Oh, God. What are you gonna write today? Hey there, Joe. This is your time. What are you gonna say? Hey, Joe, don't you know that you gotta show us what you got inside? Hey, Joe, don't go. Don't run and hide. Be there with us today. Joe, it's your turn to say, baby. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I threw baby in yeah, there. Yeah. I, uh, like, I like that you didn't fade that one out. It's just, <laughs> no. It was just a quick end. Yep. So Joe writes, I'm the new... So this is a story all about Joe, the letter he sent to these four schmoes, and we'd like to take a minute to sit right there. Dan will read your letter right live on the air. Dan. Thank you. You really you, you you nailed the landing on that one in a way that I didn't expect. <laughs> no, I didn't expect it either. Let me tell you. <laughs> so, okay, Joe writes, I am the new proprietor of my very own video rental store located in Lincoln, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I specialize in harder-to-find movies. Oh, that's a great town. Uh, VHX, Betamask, Laserdisc, <laughs> DVD, and Blu-ray as well. <laughs> wait, wait, Dan, did you say VHX and Betamask? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got interrupted right in the middle of the fucking sentence. <laughs> anyway, this guy, the point is he's got harder to find movies. But the question is, if you were an employee at a video store, what would your three employee picks be? Flophouse Housecat can have three picks, too. Keep on flopping in the real world. Thanks, Joe. Last name withheld. Um, so this is interesting because you want to pick something that uh, you like. Well, you want to pick something that people might not be familiar with? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wait, what are we doing? I was trying to come up with a beta mask joke. <laughs> <laughs> you were uh, to do you have an employee picks at your video store. What would you? What would your three movies be? Oh, I get to pick three exactly three movies. <laughs> yeah, three movies that <laughs> I would recommend to yeah, a person. Exactly three. This is going to be hard okay. for you, Stu. You guys got to give me a minute. I wish you'd given me this question earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I ask these questions in advance for situations <laughs> like this, Dan. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, it's tough. Um, I think my three movies would be, and I'm just pulling this off the top of my head here. Okay. Return of the Living Dead. Okay. The Birds. Okay. And Animal Crackers. Now, somewhere, somewhere, I was about somewhere. To, David Byrne is crying. I was about to. <laughs> I I can't. I <laughs> I kept myself from stepping on your picks too, which was my first impulse. <laughs> just, just to steal them, yeah. <laughs> and then Stuart Stuart is thrown into a tailspin trying to remember other movies. <laughs> uh, Juana Man. Uh, <laughs> uh man. <laughs> Juana Man. Uh, the air up there. Um. Uh. uh now those are not Airbus. Those are not necessarily only- my favorite movies. I just want to expose people to these movies. I want to expose myself via these movies. Heard it here first, folks. Um, yeah. So my three movies are uh, a little movie called Castle Freak. Uh-huh. Uh huh. 
uh, a movie called The Head of the Family. Okay. And for my third pick, I would say Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> All right. Interesting. All right. Okay. Uh, again, I think picking not necessarily my three favorite movies, but three movies that I feel like people would like and they haven't they haven't seen people haven't seen as much of them i would say uh the devil and daniel webster mhm uh closely watched trains which is one i mean those are two of my favorites but and then i think i'd maybe put like the prestige okay. that's which a, good... is a movie that as much as christopher nolan is a huge name i feel like the prestige is still not a movie a lot of people have seen yeah so that's uh, there was a big and, reveal in the the third act of that uh that thing that you did Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if only there's a word for yeah. that. I don't know. I mean, the other the other one I could think of possibly is like in the, in the similar one of big name director where he has a movie that I think is his maybe his that's one of his best, if not his best, that no one's that not as many people have seen. Is I would also fit think about putting in Zodiac. Yeah, which it baffles it oh, like David boggles Fincher's my best mind. Movie by far. Yes, by far. Like by far, and it's an amazing movie. And I think just because it's long, most people have not seen it, but. Such a good movie. So those are those are my those are my choices. All right. So put now, put, I, now I did work at a video store, and I was very mad that we did not have an employee recommendations shelf. <laughs> put them up on the wall under the title "Flophouse Recommends." I mean, for when you were mm-hmm. working there, you could basically call the anime section the employee recommendation section, right? <laughs> <laughs> All the neon Except Genesis Evangelion. Oh yeah, the. the wall of Dragon Ball Z tapes that we had that we could not keep on the shelves because kids bought them so fast? Yeah, definitely. Um, This next letter is from Caleb, last name withheld. Caleb Carr. Caleb Carr, author of The Alienist. I'm I'm glad we both went to the only Caleb we can think of. (laughs) (laughs) On the layover episode, Stuart mentioned his wanting to see the Burt Reynolds film, The Last Movie Star. Uh-huh. Having spent a full 12-hour day at an airport being an extra and being a big-shot movie star as a result, I thought I could offer up some juicy on-set gossip. Yeah, yeah, give me those dirty deets. For starters, <laughs> all of the other extras left their prop baggage in a large, unattended pile, causing TSA to momentarily freak out until we claimed it all. Shenanigans. Next, since Bert is getting on in years, a golf cart would appear to whisk him away between takes, and a young man would stand in for him wearing a blazer, wig, and a grotesque mask that I can only describe as something out of nothing but trouble. Scandal. And finally, when I did the ch- get the chance to briefly meet director Adam Rifkin, I said, I'm a big fan. You did The Invisible Maniac, right? To which he replied, yeah, you must be a real fan of film to know that one. He wistfully looked away for a moment and said, that was a real fun one to make. <laughs> Stars. <laughs> well, that was my brief blush with, brush with the Hollywood elite. I'm sorry to say that the film isn't that great, but maybe it could make a great flop material someday. Thanks for continually making my favorite show and podcast or any other form. Caleb, last name withheld. Yeah, I so still haven't gotten story. around to it. I got to track it down. Yeah. I did that one for you, Stuart. Uh, thanks, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for curating content just for me. <laughs> yeah, what, what are you, uh, Netflix? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Things Stuart might like. <laughs> I figured the listeners wouldn't give a shit about it, but Stuart might enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would like to think that listeners like hearing Stuart happy, sad, drunk, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the full gamut, the rainbow of Stuart. Yeah, yeah. Those are, I mean, what, those are the five humors? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Happy, sad, drunk. 
t- sleepy and dopey. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, if there's nothing else about that, I'll move along. No, that was. I thought I found that genuinely very informative and interesting. So thank you, Caleb. Yeah. Uh, this one is from Heather, last name withheld. Langenkamp. Who writes? <laughs> <laughs> Get Freddie out of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a philosophy professor. That seems – wait, hold on. That seems like a very – like that's a perfectly reasonable demand. <laughs> Any help we could provide in getting Freddy out of somebody's brain, I feel like that's on us. We have the responsibility to do that. Yeah. Like, why the, is it our job? The thing is stop falling asleep, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not as easy as it sounds, Stuart. Just go to sleep no more. It's in the title. <laughs> But if that was the the cure, would they do a new uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? And like, we can't sleep anymore. I guess we're going to New York for some experimental theater. <laughs> yeah. Sleep no more. It is. <laughs> That's the coming to America style of picking where to go. <laughs> and Freddie shows up, and he's like, "This is freaking me out. I don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing." Why are they here. wearing masks? The anonymity freaks me out. It's like, wait a minute. If I go into that room, I'm going to miss whatever's happening in that other room. This is so stressful. <laughs> the completionist in me is freaking out. I'm experiencing real FOMO here. Uh, Heather writes, I'm a philosophy professor, and I was recently teaching an ancient Greek philosophy course. Mm, Appropriate. Wait, teaching philosophy to ancient Greeks? I was teaching an ancient Greek philosophy course. I think either interpretation works. Yeah. (laughs) We were on the subject of Plato's Symposium. Which includes an appearance by a historic Athenian general named, I'm going to fucking butcher this, Alcibiades. 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 Thank you. I asked my class if they're familiar with a scandal Alcibiades was involved in, known as the mutilation of the Herms. They were not, so I started to explain. There were these statues called Herms that had prominent genitalia, and on the eve of an important military expedition, someone went around Athens... And at that point, things went very wrong because the phrase that forcibly intruded itself into my mind was ripping their ding-dongs off. <laughs> mm-hmm. I managed to wrest just enough control of myself that what came out of my mouth was indeed instead a squeaky, strangled, ripping their genitals off. Uh-huh. I then doubled over behind the lectern, gasping with laughter, while my class sat in stunned silence. <laughs> the tenure, com- <laughs> the tenure committee's uh, monocles fell out of their faces. <laughs> Calming back down enough to resume lecturing was terrifyingly difficult. My question for you three is, have you had any other similar circumstances in which you had to try and stifle inappropriate laughter? Your loyal listener, Heather. The um, the one that comes to my mind, do you remember this, Elliot? It was... Um, I don't know. Tell me more about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give him some enough. more context clues, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh. We were at the Emmys one year, and they did like this, like montage that uh, oh, what's his face? Um, I can't remember. Rody, uh, War Machine. Don Cheadle? Don Cheadle came out. Was that the thing where it was about the Kennedy assassination, yeah. and then they tied it into the Beatles? Yeah, they're like Sullivan, as if that solved the problem. Exactly. And so we're at like, <laughs> you know, we're at this like high class supposedly uh, function. And uh, we're, yeah, like, the, he has the Kennedy assassination. Then he's like, and then the Beatles came, and everyone was happy. <laughs> and, like, everyone in our group was stifling, like, laugh, so much laughter. <laughs> and we felt like the bad kids in the back of class. And uh, I remember that. Yeah. Well, that's that's similar to, uh, there was the, the first time I ever went to the Writers Guild Awards, which was also the only year that the show won while I was there. Uh-huh. 
uh, we were sitting all the way in the back of the theater, and I was sitting next to another fellow at uh, Daily Show writer who now has gone off to do many great things, a man named Sam Means, who's now part of the Tina Fey, Robert Carlock show universe. And, uh, I, and we were drinking more and more and getting more and more frustrated with how long things were going on, and they didn't get to our category till the very end. So we were just kind of like, we went from stifling our laughter because, like, Edward Albee was on stage getting an honorary award and things like that, to eventually just kind of, like, more just conversationally heckling things. <laughs> and, and it was like, looking back at it, I'm like, that was not very professional of us. But uh, I, feel, I feel like I've had so many times in my life when I'll be in a serious situation, and I'll just start thinking about something that was in, like, a Kids in the Hall sketch or something, and I'll have trouble not laughing. And it's very frustrating for me. Yeah. I don't know whether you have anything, Stuart. We don't have to. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of any specific instance, but like almost every night that I'm bartending, there's uh-huh. at least one conversation between two very drunk people, usually somebody explaining the plot of, I don't know, fucking Dexter to somebody. <laughs> and I just kind of overhear snippets of it and try not to laugh too loudly. Uh, but anyway, so Dexter's real popular among the patrons at Hinterlands. I don't know. That's like one of those things that it it happened. In, it happened a lot at uh, it happened a lot when I was working at Games Workshop. We had this one fucking guy who he was like a construction guy, and he any days he had off, he would just sit at the painting table painting miniatures, and whatever kids had off of school would be like clustered around this fucking old long beard. And he would just tell them – he would just recount, like, the entire plot of the first season of Battlestar Galactica to them. Like, they're, like, younglings around the fucking fire. Yeah, and it was, those are the epic – the legends of their people. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing. And I'm like, uh, I'm not getting paid enough for this. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. The idea – like – that's totally what's going to happen when society collapses is that old people, old nerds will just be describing in detail the plots of like episodes of, of the X-Files yeah, or I mean, like it, Serenity. That was the best moment, probably the best scene in the Rob Cohen directed uh, – wait, did he direct Reign of Fire? Who uh, directed Reign of Fire? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's in Reign of Fire where the – it's in the post-apocalyptic society and they're like – telling the story and play acting the Star Wars trilogy, <laughs> which uh-huh. is a huge mistake because they're like, oh, yeah, I should be watching Star Wars. I guess what we're talking about is also the plot of the of the play Mr. Burns, which I recommend to anyone who likes reading plays, where something, is ter- something terrible has happened to society uh, and the thing that knits civilization back together again is people recounting episodes of The Simpsons to each other, uh-huh. trying to remember all the jokes. It's a really good play. Yeah. Uh, but now is the time on the show where we recommend movies that we actually liked. Movies that you should spend your hard-earned time on. And that's how it works. You yeah, earn Go to the video store time. and pop them in. You check your forearm and watch the hours click yeah. down. <laughs> See many seconds you've earned at the job today. Yeah. And if you have enough minutes to buy a hamburger. Or you can share some with your mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Let's not get into old scandals and controversies. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, we recommend movies on the show, and I'll start by recommending one called Human Highway, which is a deeply strange movie. Um, the It was directed by uh, Neil Young and Dean Stockwell, and 
it uh, was written by them plus a few other people. And uh, it's listen to this cast. You got Neil Young starring in it. You have Russ Tamblin, Dean Stockwell, Dennis Hopper, and Devo are all in this movie. And if you look on uh, the IMDb for a plot summary, uh, here's a paragraph that they that someone put together. Uh, the new owner of a roadside diner stuck in a town built around an always leaking nuclear power plant plans to torch the place to collect insurance. However, an assortment of bizarre characters and weird events, such as spaceships flying around, gets in his way. That makes it sound like it has a coherent plot. It does not. It is exactly what you think a movie directed and written by Neil Young starring Devo would be. Uh, it is. It feels like it feels like Repo Man by way of Pee Wee's Playhouse. And I can't say that like everyone. Like I saw this with a bunch of friends at a birthday party, and some people had a violently negative reaction to it. Um, and it is self indulgent and weird, and str- and uh, it goes off in all kinds of narrative dead ends. But there's something about it that is very '80s and fun. It feels like you're watching if if an episode of Night Flight was a movie. It kind of feels like this would be the movie, and everything ends with everyone getting blown up in a nuclear explosion. So, if you like a movie that ends with that, spoiler, yeah, yeah, that's. I a, mean, that is the way Return of the Living Dead ends, right? Yeah, yeah, and the way that uh, Dead or Alive ends. Yeah, there's a lot of connections today, guys. Oh, cool. Yeah, references. Uh-huh. Uh Cool. So that's a movie, Elliot. You want to recommend a movie? Sure, I'm going to recommend. Uh, so the the movie I, wa- I saw recently that I liked the most was I finally got to see the death of Stalin. But I think Dan already recommended that uh-huh. on a previous episode. Uh, but I thought that was really really great. But two movies I watched recently that I liked and also that I that feel thematically linked in a way to me, but they're not the most. They're good, but they're not the most amazing movies. Are uh, the recent HBO documentary about Andre the Giant entitled Andre the Giant. And the documentary about Gilbert Gottfried entitled Gilbert. So very hard to parse titles mm-hmm. on these ones. And they both kind of follow pretty standard, you know, documentary about a famous person format. But I feel like both of them are about people who lived kind of outside of normal society, either by virtue of Andre the Giant being physically just different from every other person in the world in a way that made it uncomfortable for him to, to live normally. And Gilbert Gottfried being somewhat emotionally unable to live normally. And just that this was both a curse for them and also gave them the license to live in a way that would have made other people outcasts, but instead made them beloved in a big way. Yeah. And they both – they and in one case, the Gilbert one is much a much happier story and the Andre the Giant one is somewhat of a uh, sad story. But <laughs> both movies did a good job of just like – telling their stories. And the, the thing about the Andre the Giant movie in particular is like, I find professional wrestling, the actual wrestling, I find very boring to watch. What? I'm fascinated by, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm fascinated by the business of it and all the character building oh, yeah, that goes yeah, yeah. on around it. And there's something in it about how you're watching like Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan and a number of other people recounting plot lines that they were in with Andre the Giant. And at this point, the plot lines and their emotions at the, the way they think of their emotions at the time have merged. So Hulk Hogan's talking about the storyline where Andre the Giant turned bad, became a heel, and did a heel turn, and he defeated him at WrestleMania three. And Hulk Hogan is talking about that 
in a way that he's like genuinely hurt by being betrayed by his friend Andre the Giant, and it's like it's just an interesting. The movie is not about this, but it kind of hints at it the way that the characters they played have become their memories, you know, yeah, and yeah. become the people they are today. Uh, and so, anyway, both of those I just thought were were interesting watches. How is, and like, uh, Andre the- how is I really like that other Andre the Giant documentary, uh, My Dinner with Andre. How does it compare to that? <laughs> yeah, uh, that one is that one's a little slower, uh-huh. and uh, I think it's I think casting Wallace Shawn in the role of Andre the Giant was a bit of a mistake. Mm, but you didn't have to. The thing about Andre the Giant, and the thing, yeah, that's true. I mean, they saved on the budget because they didn't have to give him as much food or wine, and they figured Wallace Shawn knew Andre the Giant. They worked together in The Princess Bride, and I'm actually kind of disappointed they didn't interview him for the Andre the Giant movie. But the uh, they figured he knows Andre the Giant's mannerisms because he observed him up close. But here's the thing I think they forgot is that the thing about Andre the Giant, like the core concept of him, mm-hmm. is he's a giant. And oh, Wallace Shawn yeah, is actually a very it. small man. Wallace Shawn would be perfect to play a character like, say, I don't know, Ziggy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hollywood, get in touch with me. I have the script. Uh, whereas Andre the Giant, I think they lost a lot of the physical capacity by casting a small man with a very high-pitched voice in the role of a very large man with a very deep voice. But anyway, if you have HBO, then I recommend the Andre the Giant documentary. Gilbert is on Hulu. I, I bet you can get other places, but if you have Hulu, you can watch it. And both of them I thought were enjoyable documentaries with a lot of, and this is my favorite thing, archival video footage of performance. Mmm, good stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm i going to recommend a movie I saw. Uh, I was lucky enough to see the uh, BAM Cinema Fest world premiere of i think it was the world premiere of the movie sorry to bother you uh from first time director boots riley uh starring a bunch of very famous hot actors right now lakeith stanfield tessa thompson army hammer terry cruz etc <laughs> you were so turned on army when you said army hammer. um but uh yeah it's uh it's a weirdo comedy um, it's a debut film from a ta- talented and creative guy and not all like, it feels like a debut, like not all the jokes always work and not everything is t- like the timing's not always great. Um, but there's, there's something great about watching a movie. You mentioned repo man earlier and it kind of reminded me of like, like it, it definitely doesn't feel like a movie made by a factory um, and it's, it's just weird and funny and doesn't go in the direction you were going to expect it to go. Um, yeah, I, uh, I definitely recommend it. I think it's a great movie and, uh, kind of a, kind of a breath of fresh air in, especially amongst comedies that I've seen in the theater. So sorry to bother you. I think it's. I think it's should be. I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but I think it's going to be going to theaters in early July. So, yeah, it comes out soon. Yeah, check it out. Uh, one quick thing that I just remembered about my movie that I wanted to mention. Uh, af- you made a movie after after we watched Human Highway. Uh, it took us down a rabbit hole of looking at uh, young Russ Tamblin and things. Uh-huh. And if you Google Rush Tamblin, uh. uh shovel dance there's a great sequence from i don't know what movie but it's just amazing seeing like what an acrobatic physical performer he was when he was young he was just amazing and uh you'll have a great time if you look at that shovel dance from russ tamblin 
Okay. And so our, that's another three recommendation. Movies I guess. And a Google recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so that's it. I mean, we're all obviously tired except for Elliot, who, but then he has to travel. So we should. Yeah, I got to get on a plane in a little bit so that I can go back to my hometown of Los Angeles so that I can get on a plane in a few days to go to Seattle, Washington to see my best bud, Stuart Aww. and Dan. Yeah, and Dan and I have to go to Vancouver, Washington. No, not Vancouver, Washington. That'd be crazy. <laughs> we're going to Vancouver, Canada, and then we're going up to Alaska, me and Dan. That's true. Yeah, I'm sorry I'm going to miss your guys' uh, your guys's cruise. Our Alaska I think vacation. Very, I, I, very adorable that uh, Dan and Stuart and Stuart's wife are going on a cruise to Alaska and, together. And, 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 I wanna, three, I, I wonder and what four other friends. We're going to have four other friends oh. with us. Oh, I thought it was just the three of you guys. Nope. Uh, wow, that's less adorable to me. Okay, well, <laughs> uh, I'm not going on vacation to please you. <laughs> <laughs> If it makes you feel any better, we'll plan the next vacation based on how adorable you find things. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Good. I mean, I would love it if if Dan and and you and Stu, if you guys and and Stuart's lovely wife, if you guys went to Japan together, I would find that pretty adorable. Okay. Well, we'll think about it. All right. Mm-hmm. But uh, or if we go on a vacation to Hawaii and we get mixed up in some kind of diamond smuggling <laughs> operation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you or uh, you find uh, some kind of enchanted tiki doll that has a curse on it. Oh man, that'd be great. And then that tiki doll comes to life and stabs one of us to death. Wait, yeah, exactly. Less adorable. Uh, except here's the thing: if the diamond heist is because you are at a resort that's like an S and M resort, I don't need to know about that. One. Okay. Don't. I don't know. Just I think don't tell me that story. You always you said that would make a great movie, though. Like a movie. Well, I think that it would, would be. It would make a, the beginning of my series of Dan movies. I think Exit to E Dan would be a good <laughs> would be a good starter film. Yeah. yeah. That's the follow-up to Dangerous Liaisons. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, for the Flophouse, he's been Dan McCoy. Okay. I've been Stuart Wellington. Yeah. Listen to the Max Fun Podcast Network, and that's it. Peace. <laughs> and Elliot Kalin, also here. <laughs> See you soon. Also, Elliot Kalin. Don't forget him. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Elliot Kalin, in your ear. Okay. Okay. Hey, deuces. <laughs> Dan, the moment that you hit 50, did your ball sack just get super long? I'm not 50. (laughs) (laughs) So, Dan, what's it like? You're going to be, you can get the senior discount now on the bus, right? Yeah. Um, Again, I'm only 40. Oh, this is 40. Yeah. So, how many jokes? So, you're in an unfunny, semi improvisational film starring your real kids. Yeah. So, when you turned 50 and the doctor stuck his fingers (sighs) in the butthole, how many jokes had you planned for that moment? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.